So when we're looking at the order priority, so we have the uh, focus on mindset, focus on thinking positively, focusing on how can I achieve this result? Then we're looking at the law of energy balance, looking at nutrition, uh, you know, how much food am I eating? But then also looking at the quality of food that I'm eating. So it's kind of like twofold there. And then finally, we have going into the exercise protocols of strength training and working out. You have more power over your health than what you've been told. This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast, and I'm your host, Maya Acosta. I'm passionate about finding healthy lifestyle solutions to support optimal human health. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life and increase longevity in a big way. Let's get started. How can we prevent the all or nothing mentality of an exercise program? We either go all in or we do not work out at all. Gabriel Zanai, the vegan fitness coach, is here to talk to us about the importance of mindset, creating healthy habits and developing a personal standard that will allow you to move to your desired result and outcome in a more efficient way for long-term success. As always, a full bio and links for all of my guests can be found on the website, healthylifestylesolutions.org. I hope that you enjoy this episode. Thank you, Maya. And thank you for the, the such a lovely introduction. I feel like it's kind of like, oh my goodness, like that's so cool. I feel like <laughs> like, you know, like confetti. Woo, woo. <laughs> right. Well, it, in many ways, it is a big deal because while we talk about various topics uh, regarding uh, lifestyle medicine, we rarely talk about fitness or mm. physical exercise. And it's not so much that it's not important. It's just that we don't have a lot of health experts that fall under that umbrella of incorporating healthy plant-based nutrition along with exercise. And it sounds like that's what you and Anna have really developed and found as a team, as partners working together and also as a married couple in helping one another to grow individually. Um, before we get started on all of that, I would love for you to kind of share the story because I heard you on another podcast talk about how you and your wife had just relocated when the pandemic started. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because the gyms shut down and that's mm. basically your main line of work, right? So yes. what happened? Oh my goodness. You know, so that was, uh, oh my goodness, coming back to 2020. March 16th. And uh, that kind of like date is etched into my mind because I just remember that was kind of like uh, New York. We we're living in New York at the time. It kind of the whole state of New York just like shut down. And it's kind of interesting when you think about New York, it's like this bustling state so busy. We lived, we lived uh, 20 minutes outside of New York City. So one of the biggest cities on the planet. And it's kind of like everything just closed. And we're like, what? And it was a bit crazy because we had also just moved back to the United States from Europe. And um, uh, my wife, uh, fiance at the time, uh, Anna, we, we had gotten her fiance visa. She's originally from Poland and she had been living in the UK for about seven or eight years. And we had just gotten the fiance visa over in London, UK. And we're like so excited. We're just coming back in the States. And then um, we got married in February, so a month before. And then a couple of weeks later, everything shut down, like literally everything. And we're like, oh, my God, like, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, I think for us, it was like it was frightening because um, like you mentioned, this is actually our work. And we were also at the time working with in-person clients. So we actually at the time we had in-person clients we were serving, we were helping. And then we just kind of felt like the whole world shut down. 
And in particular of New York, it was quite interesting because New York had different phases where it was essentially from like March to about like September-ish of 2020, where everything was like pretty much locked down. Like you, you could go out, you can get groceries and, you know, um, maybe go for a quick walk. But like there, there was no gym. There was no like any of the extracurricular activities. Like most people's work was closed. Like everything was down. And so it was for about like six or seven months that there was essentially no access for like you could say fitness activities, right? The traditional like working out or things like that. And so specifically for us, it was interesting because I think that is something that um, I'm sure we'll talk about during this interview is about the identity phase, the identity phase of you as a human being. And I think for us, because our identity of being a healthy, fit and strong was so like ingrained in us, we had like a week or two transitional period where like, oh my God, like, how are we going to work out? How are we going to do some of our habits? But essentially what we did was we pivoted. We're like, all right, well, we're probably going to need some weights at home, probably going to need some bands and things like that. So we started to build a home gym over the next two weeks. Uh, and I want to be clear, we did have like a week where we were like week and a half, where we were kind of like a mini depression. We're like, oh my God, this is crazy. We watch like, you know, like five Netflix shows and then we're like, all right, no, this is, this is not who we are, right? And so I'm being clear because we're coming from that identity phase that I think for many of us, if we don't have that identity deeply ingrained in us, it's easy for us to revert to some of our like bad habits, some of those habits that don't serve us because we don't have strong enough identity yet. Uh, so anyway, long story short, we that's that's what we did over that transition. And then we started um, moving our business online and we started to coach online uh, in that regards as well. So hopefully that that mm. clarifies what. <laughs> yeah, I, it makes sense why that's primarily what you're offering today. Let's start from there then in terms of mindset, because I know that you're a big believer about that. It's not just telling people to exercise, which mm. we know doesn't work when the doctor tells people you just need to exercise more. There's this whole uh, motivational interviewing that's taught in the field of lifestyle mm -hmm. medicine, and you're most likely familiar with um, motivating. Where do we want to start with talking about how we can motivate uh, and encourage people to become more physically active? I think this is a great question. And I, um, I think it's very helpful when we start to look at the the, the order priority. And what I mean by that is awareness or rather self-awareness. And I think for many of us, um, especially with the pandemic and COVID, I think it can be very helpful in these situations when things start to slow down, whether it's externally or internally, where we're forced to examine ourselves, where we're forced to actually really look at our lives, look at our bodies, look at our health, look at our thoughts. And I think that could be a challenge. Um, and I don't say this lightly because this is something I've actually struggled with for most of my life, which is actually being still, bringing more self-awareness to my life before I immediately jump into action. Um, because for most of my life, I was taught that, you know, you just need to do more. You need to, you know, uh, you know, you got to be a high performer and all this stuff. But what I found exactly like you said, is that was leading me towards the road of burnout, the road of overwhelm and stress and not taking care of myself. So I want to be clear that um, while we can talk about different strategies for like working out or nutrition strategies, things like that, if we don't start with the one thing that impacts everything else, the one thing that influences everything else in our life, which is our mind, 
to our mind. It's the most precious thing that we have. You know, the interesting thing about the things that in life that are free, the things that are given to us without a cost, we don't value them. We don't value them. The things that are given to us free and so interesting, our body, our health, family, our mind, these are free. They don't cost us anything. And they are the most priceless. They are the most priceless gifts that we have. And it's interesting when we realize that it's, it's the same reason for library, right? You know, anybody can go in the library and rent out 20 books, but nobody does, right? Because it's free, right? Anybody can do it. But yet you'll notice that people pay tens of thousands of dollars to go to college when they give you the same books and the same material. Why is that? If we can start to invest more self-awareness, we can start to invest in ourselves. You start to increase that internal value of your mind, your body, and health. And I, hopefully I didn't go on a tangent there, but I want to be clear that self-awareness is the first key here as we start to work on our mind and our mindset. So, yes. Yeah, so you said we start with our, our mind first. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I don't want to interrupt if you have a flow of how this goes. <laughs> I really enjoy when, when we talk about this kind of like journey together, it's really helpful going through order of priorities. Like what is the foundation, right? For me, thinking positively is the foundation. Like I can do this. I believe in myself. This is possible for myself. This will always supersede working out more or trying to, you know, diet more, right? These will always defeat it because a positive mind is the most powerful asset you can have. In fact, your mind is your spiritual state. And yet most of us, we treat our spiritual state like, like it's our, a junkyard, right? Like we just let anything in. And I think one of the biggest weaknesses for human beings is the habit of leaving our minds open to negative thoughts to being open, susceptible to negative influences. Like, oh my God, like who are you to think you can work out or who are you to think like you can work out healthy? The people who may care for us the most, our family and friends, maybe the ones who are actually influencing us and they don't even know it. We don't even know it because we haven't learned to start to become more self-aware. So I want to be clear here. This is a gift that all of us have, but not all of us use, right? So when we move into the next order of priorities, we start to look at nutrition. Right. And I know that we're going to touch on exercise, but I want to be clear of nutrition. Uh, there's a lot of uh, additives about nutrition, like you can't outwork a bad diet or abs are built in the gym or things of that nature. And I think when we hear some of these like cliches, I mean, they become cliches because they're true. They become cliches because they're true. And so when we look at nutrition, um, there's, there's also like kind of like a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy of importance. And the first order of importance is the law of energy balance, especially when we're talking about weight loss or fat loss, especially when we're talking about, you know, really in- improving our body composition, getting fitter, leaner, and stronger. You can spend hours in the gym every, every day, but not change things if things aren't changing in the kitchen. And so with the law of energy balance, we can understand that when we eat less than our body needs and we work out, we can start to burn off and get rid of that extra weight and fat. And when we're building muscle, right? When we're building muscle and we eat more than our body needs and we work out, we can start to gain lean muscle tissue. And so keeping it very simple, essentially when we break it down into two principles, it's really about eating less and moving more. Like that's as simple as we can break it down, eating less and moving more. And so that's when we speak about the quantity, right? How much, how much should I be eating? But let's be clear because we're also 
on a healthy lifestyle podcast. We're on healthy lifestyle solutions here. So we also need to touch on the quality of food, quality of food. And especially um, whether you're fully plant-based or you've never eaten a plant in your life, right? Wherever you are on the spectrum, it's also important to keep in mind the order of importance of what foods to eat, right? What food should I be eating? Should I? Okay, so I could lose weight and eat donuts and pizza, technically. I could actually do that. Right. But would that be the healthiest option for me in terms of optimizing the nutrition that my body needs? Probably not. Probably not. And so the key here is, okay. so what foods need to come in first? Not to say that I can enjoy, you know, a slice of pizza or a donut every now and then. But if I'm to prioritize the number of what the first food that we need to prioritize is fruits, is fruits. And most of us, we think it's I thought it's vegetables. I thought it's whole foods. Well, for most of us, we haven't been taught that fruits actually have the most nutrition inside of one piece of fruit. That blueberries, apples, bananas, all these, all these foods that were like very commonplace and so undervalued are actually the ones that pack the most powerful punch. And the second in order would then be vegetables and then whole foods. And with that base in place, you can actually see that actually helps to improve the quantity, how much you eat. Because you'll notice that some of those foods actually fill you up faster. And then by the time you get to the pizza and donut, you're like, oh, I'm actually kind of full. I'm actually kind of full. Maybe maybe I don't need to have the whole six donuts. Maybe I'll have half a donut or you know one slice of pizza, if that makes sense. It reminds me of people that I have seen hit the gym, hit the gym, or you see them power walking or they're always exercising and they don't seem to lose weight. Because mm. the food is also, and I, I've never been athletic, but what I know is that uh, I feel better. Since I cleaned up my diet and went plant-based, I have more mm -hmm. energy. And so is that what you're saying? It's like, that's where we get our real, our clean fuel. You know, I love this. I love that you brought this up because I think from what I understood, if I understood you correctly, was that having the right nutrition, the right fuel, like you said, is actually so beneficial in terms of how we feel, in terms of energy, in terms of movement, confidence, even, even physique recomposition, things like that. It's so beneficial because- having that right fuel, it's like, oh my God, like I can actually start to feel like I'm healthy, not just yeah. look healthy, because I think it's very easy to say like, oh, you know, I, I got the six pack, you know, I got the big biceps or I got the nice glutes. But at the same time, you could also have a six pack, be completely ripped and not feel healthy. So there's a big distinction. And I want to point out that I'm also somebody who fell in this pitfall. For many years, thinking that because I was extremely fit and strong, I also thought I was healthy. And so I want to be clear that health is the foundation. Health is what we build our fitness on top of. It's not the other way around, right? Because the way that the current health and fitness industry is built out, it's kind of like, oh, if you can, if you have the, like the nice body and you look good and you're attractive, like that's a symbol of health. Now, I'm going to call out most people because there's millions of people, and I'm sure you're familiar, especially your husband, Maya. There are millions of people now in this day and age, especially women who are suffering from chronic illness, who are suffering from mystery diseases, who are suffering from unidentified causes. And yet some of these people, men and women alike, actually look fit. They go to the gym. They work out. They eat the right... Why are they not healthy, right? Why are they not healthy means full of health. Why are they not healthy? 
And so I think it's really being clear that, like you said, if we aren't putting the right foods in our body, for example, fruits, vegetables, whole foods, water, things of that nature, if we aren't putting the right fuel in, how can you expect your body to run properly, right? It's kind of like if you go down to that, you have at the the, the corner gas station, right? And you know that gas station waters down their, their, their gas. They put water in the gas to make it cheap for you. And you're like, oh, I'm going to get that cheap gas, right? And so you go get that cheap gas and you're like, why is my car not working? And like, you got the cheap gas, you know, that's, that's what happens. <laughs> yes. I so appreciate you saying all that you just said, because it is true when I think of like, um, you know, people tend to focus on weight loss because it's external, it's on the outside, mm-hmm. it's what's obvious to a lot of people, but that doesn't necessarily mean health. And mm-hmm. so in what you're doing and with the teachings of your wife, Anna, as well, is that whole combination of addressing the mindset of nutrition and nutrition. So mindset, nutrition, fitness, and all the other uh, strategies. Okay. And so what is next? So we have mindset, we have nutrition, and then we move into strength training, specifically strength training, because it's, I need to be specific here and not just say working out or exercising, even though we may use those terms intermittently. Um, We use the word strength training in particular when we're looking at body recomposition, aka dropping fat, getting leaner, more toned, or building lean muscle tissue. And so it's been proven in multiple studies that strength training is the signal for our body to change. And being somebody who I love to um, go outdoors, I love to hike and climb mountains and go to waterfalls and all that. I'm also aware that if I want my bone density, if I want my muscle tissue, if I want um, my body composition to be where I want it to be throughout my life, not just for a couple of months, but throughout the rest of my life, then strength training has to be a core pillar in terms of my exercise protocols. And that doesn't diminish what I do on the days when I don't lift weights. I'm still going for hikes every weekend. I'm still going to go climbing mountains. I'm still going to bike. I'm still going to run. But I also understand that my pillar, right? My pillar has to be with lifting weights uh, consistently and over time, if that makes sense. And that's really the impetus. That's a signal for us to either consistently drop fat over time or to consistently gain lean muscle tissue over time. Mm, So important, especially as we're aging. So what is the difference between strength training and resistance training? Great question. And I think it's, um, I think a lot of these terms are interchangeable. Like, for example, working out, exercising, resistance training, strength training. I think that because a lot of these terms are thrown around so easily, I think it can be very confusing to think, oh, okay. So he said strength training, but I thought I was supposed to be resistance training. Now, is the resistance training with the bands or do you do that with machines or? So to be clear, resistance training and strength training are interchangeable terms. They actually mean the same thing, but there starts to become like a blurred line when you just say, I'm just going to work out and exercise. And all you do is go to the gym and then maybe just do kind of like um, light weights, like very light and high reps, or you just go on the treadmill for an hour, or maybe you just um, go for a walk or things like that. Not to diminish that. That is still great. You know, any, I always say anything is better than nothing right? Anything is always better than nothing. But if we're being clear in terms of like, does that quantify strength training, strength training or resistance training or weight lifting basically means lifting heavy weights each time you go to workout, lifting heavy weights over time, whether that means um, 
you know, adding more weight to the barbell or to the dumbbell, or whether that means adding more sets over time, that's what constitutes for strength training or resistance training, if that makes sense. Did you say that you mainly work with women? So actually, we have a mixed uh, population. We work with men and women. But as of right now, our roster actually has a few more females than males on it, if that yeah. Yeah, if that clicks. I, I feel like women just yeah, yeah. Um and then um I can't wait to hear how you actually work online with people because if they have their own gym t- that they attend, I wonder. So I, I'm sure you'll tell us all of that. So what is next in terms of how you're working with people this way? So you talk you, you tell them about straight strength training or resistance training. Sure. So so when we're looking at the order priorities, so we have the uh, focus on mindset, focus on thinking positively, focusing on how can I achieve this result? And then we're looking at the law of energy balance, looking at nutrition, um, you know, how much food am I eating, but then also looking at the quality of food that I'm eating. So it's kind of like twofold there. And then finally, we have going into the exercise protocols with strength training and working out. So essentially from those three, those are the three pillars that we can essentially build out someone's program or someone's coaching program. Because it's from those three that we can start to convert someone's outcome goal. Like let's say someone has a goal of dropping 15 or 20 pounds. That's the result that they want to create. And so what we do then is we start to convert the outcome into a behavioral goal, right? Because while we can talk all day about, oh my God, I want to drop 20 pounds or, oh my God, I want to build 10 pounds of lean muscle or I want to drop maybe a few inches from my waist, we can talk about the result. And I think it's important for our mind to have a target. Like, this is what I want to achieve. This is what I'm focused on. But with that said, we need to have behaviors in place. We need to have behaviors that we're consistently doing. And so what we do is we start to standardize these behaviors. We start to standardize these behaviors because for many of us, especially when we start something new or when we get back into something or when we are trying something different, it's very easy to approach it with the all or nothing mentality. I'm going, I'm going to the gym every day or I don't do it at all. Or I'm getting my nutrition and hitting my calories and macronutrients perfect every day or that's it. I don't do it at all. Or I'm going to have the whole cake or I don't have any cake. Right. And so being very clear, it's not about being perfect every day, because I think many of us can relate to being to having this perfectionist model where you try to be perfect and try to be on point And eventually it leads to burnout because it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable and you can't maintain that. So when we standardize, essentially a standard is something you do not tolerate to go beneath. A standard is not your ceiling. A standard is your floor. You don't go beneath your floor. You do not tolerate to go beneath it. And so the standard that we set up are two main skills, two main skills that are broken down into weekly and daily practices and actions, right? So the two main skills is number one, tracking five days nutrition tracking, five days nutrition tracking. And the second skill is at least three strength workouts per week, three strength workouts per week. And this is a standard that we've adopted uh, from one of my mentors. um, And he basically introduced it in a different way for for business. But we adopted it and uh, started to use it for health and fitness because we call the standard 351. 351, which means every week, minimum three strength workouts. Every week, at least minimum 
five precise nutrition tracking days and at least once a week, one accountability touch point with your coach. And so with that standard, with that standard, it allows you to move to the result and to the outcome so much faster without thinking, oh my God, I need to drop three pounds every week. You're focused on the result, which means you aren't doing the behaviors. If you focus on the behaviors, the result is inevitable. This sounds very unique to a fitness program, coaching program. And uh, you probably saw this need in itself, not just teaching the strategies of how to work out and how to eat, but actually how to hold people accountable and and following, checking in with them. Um, I'm assuming you know that, right? Is this unique to the fitness world? So I think uh, in particular to the fitness world, this is very unique. Um, I think uh, in the particular um, mastermind that uh, my wife and I are in, there's a few other uh, coaches in different niches, you know, non-vegan, vegan, who are also adopting this standard. But it's very small. This is like the 1% of coaches. This is like not, this, not many people are talking about standards. In personal development and business, they talk a lot about standards. But in health and fitness, it's more about let me go all in or nothing. Like, let me January 1st, I'm going to go annihilate myself for three months. And then after that, I'm good. Like, I don't need to do anything, right? That is that is the standard. That is the standard in health and fitness. And so adopting some of these different practices, whether it's from different industries, and starting to put it here, because we can see that, you know, if in business, they have standards, if in entrepreneurship, they have standards, and they work, why wouldn't they work for health and fitness? I love it. I think this is amazing. I say this a lot on the podcast, but I'm a firm believer of hiring coaches because it's a personal investment on our overall wellness. And now I have someone that's doing 15 minute sessions with me while we used to meet uh, once a week. Now we're doing every 15, uh, every day, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, because mm -hmm. we're creating habits. And, and that's what you offer your, um, your clients, the kind of support that you offer, not, not exactly 15 minutes, but is in supporting change. Yeah. So I'm, I love so much that you mentioned those two points. I'm going to touch on the first point in terms of, uh, the power of, of coaching and the power of investing in yourself, because I think you said it perfectly. It is an investment in yourself first and foremost. But also, when you, when you choose to work with a coach, when you hire a mentor, a coach, a guide, this, this coach, I truly believe a coach's responsibility is to see something within you that you can't even see for yourself. To see something within Maya, like Maya can't even see it. That is the true role of a coach, a true coach, right? And I think it's also something very helpful that you said the coach is not there to tell you what to do, to kind of like belittle you or to shame you or things like that. The coach is there to work with you as a team, as a partner in a relationship. Because I think that especially, I, you know, I have to say this because I, I worked as a personal trainer for many years. I worked in person and I understand the paradigm where people think that we need to be told what to do by trainers. We need to be kind of like scolded. We need to be disciplined at all these things. And I did that. I actually, you know, I, that was a model, the paradigm that I grew up with. And I began to learn that telling people what to do doesn't lead to sustainable transformation. It will give you short-term results, but it won't give you the permanent long-term results people want because people don't buy into that. 
People don't truly respect somebody or respect the process or respect themselves if they're just doing it because someone told them what to do. But somebody will truly uh, commit to something. It's like you said, committing over and over again. They will commit and they will buy into the pro- the program, into the process, into the transformation if they choose it, if they create the solution themselves. And so being very clear, I think it's it's enormous, enormously helpful when you have an objective view, but also having that that support from like a mentor or a coach. And uh, the other point that I think was brilliant about how you talked about the habits, and, th- and this is actually one of my favorite subjects. Um, so I have to be mindful I don't go on a tangent here, but I'm going to talk about the science real quick. When it comes to habit creation, habit creation, it takes anywhere from 30 to 120 days to create. 30 to 120 days to create. That means you do it until you get it right. You do it until you get it right. And most of us are familiar with that. 12 weeks, new habits. Four months, new habits. 60 days, new habits. 30 days, new habits. 21 days. We we all are aware of the time frame for creating habits. What most of us aren't aware of is that to create a sustainable and permanent lifestyle, it takes longer. It takes longer. It takes anywhere from 12 to 18 months, 12 to 18 months to create a sustainable and permanent lifestyle. And that means you do it until you can't get it wrong. You do it until you can't get it wrong. The first one is you do it until you get it right. Oh, I can work out now correctly. Oh, I can track my nutrition correctly. Oh, I know what foods to eat and I get it right. So lifestyles, I stopped getting my workouts wrong. I stopped getting my calories or macros wrong. I stopped choosing the wrong foods. You notice there's a big discrepancy here. And when we move into phase three, which is identity, identity, it takes three plus years to create a new identity. And it's at this point, you do it until it's part of who you are. This is who I am now. I am just somebody who is healthy, fit, strong. I value health and fitness is my identity. It's my identity. It's not my priority anymore. It's who I am. And you see, if we can look at the best frameworks on this planet that use this similar model in terms of three to four years, college, high school, they know this because they know to change somebody's identity, it takes about three to four years. That's why college is built out for four years. That's why high school is built out over four years. Because they know when you come in as a freshman, you don't change your identity in one year. When you are a sophomore or junior, you don't change your lifestyle. You are creating the lifestyle. They know when you graduate as a senior, you have a new identity because most of us, when we finish high school or college, we say, I'm a different person. I'm a different person than when I started. We don't say that after freshman year because we're not different. We are just creating new habits and we're not different in year two or three because now we're creating a lifestyle. By the time we finish, we are different. Exactly. Wow. That, you know, I'd never heard anyone say that before. This is wonderful. And, uh, and you're saying that, and I'm thinking about uh, people in different um, stages of their own plant-based journey. And that's why we net you and I and people in the community never give up on people like that. We continue to preach the word because we know it's just a matter of time before someone just goes fully on board and it just becomes the way that they are. 
Exactly. Exactly. So powerful. So powerful. And it's like when we realize, wait, all of us, we're going through these like habit creation, lifestyle phases and eventually identity. It's the same thing when you adopt a new way of eating. We had we had to create habits and then we had to create a new lifestyle. And then for some of us who maybe we've been plant based or vegan for years now, we have a new identity. But if you're not, if you if uh, if you're um, if you're somebody who's an omnivore or pescatarian or vegetarian, whatever phase you're at, it's not good or bad. Just whatever phase you're at, you ha- you have an identity right now. So if you're looking to create a new identity, right? If you're looking to redefine yourself, then it starts with the habit stage. What are the habits I need to have in place? And then how can I move from habit into lifestyle? And then eventually know that I'm working towards that identity. A simple reminder I always um, uh, tell our students is that all behavior is belief-driven. All behavior is belief-driven. What you do is a reflection to yourself of who you are. Our actions are a mirror to ourself. We just, we remind ourselves every day, this is who I am by what I'm doing. This is who I am by what I'm doing. So if you're ever curious, like, who am I? Like, what, like, what am I about? Look at your actions. What you value in your life is what you'll prioritize. And what you value is what is coming from your identity. So it always starts with identity, values, and then your priorities. So if you're busy, if you're a mother, right, that's your identity. You're going to value spending time with your child. And then you're going to prioritize going out and doing things with your child. Or if you're a busy professional, that's your identity. I'm a professional. I'm career-driven. Well, then you're going to value working on your business or on your job or your career. And then you're going to prioritize things and activities that reflect that value. That's true. Very true. Do you want to spend the last few minutes uh, talking about your programs and what people can expect? I know that we can continue to talk about um, mindset and all of that. What do you think? What, What should we cover next? We basically, I think it was great because we used the opportunity here to talk about kind of like the hierarchy, the big picture, the philosophies. But essentially, um, when someone moves into our coaching process, we essentially take them through um, like an onboarding phase where, you know, if we decide it's a good fit, you know, if we both decide it's a good fit and they're accepted, um, we would then start by looking at what is going on, like what's going on in terms of um, mindset, nutrition, and current movement patterns. And it's from there that we start to what I call, we build out two things. The first thing is habit foundation. So we start to build out the correct habits and build that foundation in place. The second goal is start to build a high level of self-awareness, a high level of self-awareness. And I think that that really summarizes the main focus of our first level program. Because then we have level two and three programs for our sophomore, junior students. But essentially, that first program, you know, moving through that phase is really about how can I nail my standards, right? Looking at the 351, how can I nail that consistently for four to six months? Because I know if I can get that down in place, I have a strong foundation. Then I can move into my lifestyle. I can start to kind of like tweak the strategy a little bit more, whether that means changing nutrition targets or, you know, doing different strength training techniques or, you know, working on different mindset uh, uh, protocols or things like that. But it's in the beginning that we want to focus the most on the fundamentals, right? Because this in the beginning is very easy to get caught up in shiny object syndrome. 
Like, oh my God, I want to, you know, do this workout and this kind of thing. And then this nutrition strategy, then I want to intermittent fast. And then I want to, it's, it's very, very easy to overwhelm. So what we do in the beginning is we simplify. We bring it down to the bare essentials, which is essentially two behaviors. Number one, nutrition tracking. And number two, consistent strength workouts. And from there, we use the accountability system that we have in place, which we essentially, we ask each student like, okay, so what kind of accountability do you need to have in place even on your worst days? Like, how do you want us to show up for you when you disappear? Because for many people, it's not about like what support do you need when you, when things are great, you know, like, oh, everything's good. I got that. No, it's how, what kind of support do you need when things have completely gone to shit? Like, you're like, oh my God, like I haven't worked out in a month or I just binge eat. And then, right. you know, all these different factors that I think it's very easy for us to hide. If I was just thinking that that's when you want to kind of crawl under a rock and be like, okay, don't, don't judge me. I'm sorry. I don't want to exercise right now. So you help people, you pull them out of that dark. <laughs> that yes. spot that they're in or whatever okay yes we we have a saying in the beginning because um i run a specific kickoff call where we essentially we, we have like a day zero onboarding where we do like more of a one-on-one -on -one session but then we have a kickoff call where we do like a mentalities review like the key mentalities to have in place in order to succeed and the key nutrition and fitness laws that you can't break but in terms of mentalities there's one mentality i always talk about i always laugh because this is so perfect that you said maya your best days always come after your worst days. Your best days always come after your worst days. And for us, it's very easy as perfectionists or people who always want to be on point or high achievers or busy people that if it's not going perfect, then I'm not going to do anything at all. I'm just going to hide. I'm not going to work out. I'm not going to do anything. But if we don't rebound from that, if we don't choose to respond, not react, but choose to respond then it's very easy to just stay in that rut for months. Yes, uh, definitely. I've heard you say also, um, and this, these are my words, but it seems like when you were talking about onboarding to see if it's a good match, uh, you're really checking also for level of readiness, mm. I think. There are people that want to give you the excuse as to why they haven't created the change that they say they want to make. So they start giving you all these excuses. And then there are the people that ask for help and they say, okay, how can I take it to the next level? So yes. you help people find their why. Um, and then you probably also know which people you can't work with because they're just not ready. Is that right? That's absolutely correct. We essentially use something uh, called the Harvard effect that um, it, it, it's essentially like to, to work together. We, we have a rigorous application process where we, vet out people, candidates who may not be the best fit. And again, not right or wrong. It just, it may not be the a good fit for both of us or may not be the right time. So we always say it has to be two criteria. It has to be a, the right time and it has to be the right fit. It has to be the right time and it has to be the right fit. And if it's not, that's completely fine. That's why we have a good referral system where we can refer out to other health coaches or fitness professionals or, uh, you know, whatever kind of specials they may need, because it's really about exactly what you said about the RWA model, ready, willing, and able. Are you ready? Are you willing? And are you able? Because that's something that, um, well, we can talk all day, you know, and, uh, you know, I can be sharing all these motivational strategies and ideas and all that. I've learned after years of, of coaching and training, and, and helping others in their health and fitness that you can't give someone else their own motivation. 
You can't give someone else their own motivation. Only you can give yourself your own motivation. We can help coach you through that, guide you through that, but only you can create that internal spark. Yep. And you've also said that uh, one of the things that you also work on when trying to help someone get fit is taking them away from this idea of having to live in the gym. Like mm. they're not going to have to spend hours and hours and hours in the gym because it seems it sounds like you have like a, a good formula for each of your students and like a good recipe for each one of them to then take with them and work out wherever it is that they work out. So they're not at the at the mercy of the gym, for example. And because, you know, sometimes my husband would laugh and I'm not saying he's a personal trainer or professional, but he would say, see that person, they're just sitting there playing on their phone. Mm. They Like they do these um, lifts or reps or whatever. And then they just sit there and it's like, no, you got to keep going. You got to keep working out, you know, and do it short mm. so that it's realistic. So I would love to like see what that looks like on your end. Um, I guess every student is different as well. Yeah. And I, I think uh, to keep it very simple, to summarize, I think this is a great point that you brought up because um, I, that's importance of having a standard. That's important of having a standard because we could easily have that standard saying like six workouts a week, right? Six workouts a week. But that's not, first off, that's not sustainable for most people, right? Working out six times in the gym is not sustainable. However, in the strength and conditioning world, there's a concept called minimal effective dosage, MED. Minimal effective dosage and minimal effective dosage um, in the strength world means how can I do the minimum amount and get the most out of it? How can I do the least and get the most? Most of us, we think, how can I do the most and get the most? How can I do more to get more? But in the strength world, it's how can you do less and get bigger impact, right? So when it comes to having the standard of three strength workouts, if they're designed correctly and intelligently, right? Keeping it simple, right? Focusing on the big lifts, the compound lifts, like for example, squat, bench press, deadlift, the ones that use the most muscle groups, right? The most bang for your buck, right? And then also being mindful that we also want to uh, lift heavy, Right. So it's not about having 20 exercises per workout. It's not about having 20 exercises per workout. It's about how can I use the right exercises in the right order at the right time, enough times throughout the week. Right. So uh, exercise, uh, very similar to medicine, has dosages. Exercise in exercise science, we call an exercise prescription, just like in medical science where they say the doctor prescribes you. So when, when we come to exercise protocols and strength training, we prescribe each client, each student, their own exercise prescription. And inside of the prescription, just like medicine, you have a dosage, right? You have a, how, how much is the dosage of exercise? Because exercise has the same impact as does um, a drug, right? It has the same impact as a drug because it, it it impacts us in terms of hormones or some of those internal factors. So having the right dosage and having the right prescription is what really allows us to use a minimal effective dosage in a way that allows us exactly like you said, to not live in the gym or to not live in the kitchen when it comes over to nutrition strategy. That's true. Well, I love living in the kitchen though, but <laughs> I feel like a scientist <laughs> when I'm in there. <laughs> Even my dog already knows as soon as he sees me step into that kitchen, he's just like, he goes and he sits and watches. He's like, okay, 
some aroma is about to come out of that, that space. So I love being in the kitchen. But you're right. I don't want to be at the mercy of it either. It's only when I really want to be mm-hmm. in there. Um, oh, my goodness. I feel like we can talk so much more about this. But this definitely, I feel, it has been very valuable for my listeners because I think um, it's easy to just, you know, have a coach or talk about someone who is going to take you to the gym and tell you what to do. And, okay, you just keep doing it. But you're talking about the foundational things that would need to be in place for this to be sustainable so that five years down the down the road we are still doing what we said Mm -hmm. we wanted to do in terms of fitness and i also know that as we get older it's even more important because we can possibly prevent osteoporosis and other um you know minimize our risk for heart disease and um and also I've, i've heard it's very good for brain health Mm. in order to kind of prevent Alzheimer's. So there's so much that can come about from this. Um, as we're kind of wrapping up, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? And also, what is the best way that they can meet you if they're interested in your programs? Sure, sure. I think to close out, I think the last um, takeaway, the last insight is that to kind of summarize here, I think that going back to what we spoke about in terms of looking at our behavior, really examining why am I acting this way, whether it's positive or negative, whether I'm working out or eating healthy or not, like what's causing that? So going back to um, what I mentioned earlier, really seeing like what beliefs are driving this behavior? What, what, what have I adopted, whether it's from my parents or family or close friends that are now causing me to act this way? Because many of us, we adopt ways of eating, ways of exercising or not eating or not exercising because, you know, someone may be very well-meaning in our life, but maybe naive taught us this belief. So being mindful, like what are the beliefs that are in place here? Because that's driving all of my actions, all my behaviors and all of my ultimately results in my life. And then also, so if people are interested in getting a hold of you and signing up for your classes or your programs, what's the best way? Yes. So our main website is vegan fitnessredefined.com. So again, that's veganfitnessredefined.com. You can also uh, send me a personal message or add me on Facebook at Gabriel Chenier. I think Maya will probably put the links in there as well. Yes. Yes. All the links will be in the show notes. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to do this. And uh, yeah, maybe in the future, you can come back with Anna. And yes. we talk about more about your programs. I'd, I would love to also know, and we don't have time today, but just, you know, about testimonies. What are your students saying about the program? What's it like working with uh, both of you? So maybe in the future. Definitely. Um, thank you so much, Gabriel, for this time. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you too. Thank you so much, Maya. Thank you for having me on. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts that helps us to spread our message. You can also head on over to podinbox.com forward slash HLS to leave me a voicemail. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, thank you for listening.